This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield. Josh Williams once again joined with David Hughes. How are you doing mate? You okay? Yeah, I'm alright mate. I'm okay. We are recording. Well, you're a bit pushed off your feet, aren't you? You've made uh, made accommodations to fit us in today. That's it, mate. Wild, 24 hours, and probably going to get a lot more hectic over the next few days as well. Yeah, uh, we are recording the day after, the day after the results, so it still feels very fresh. This podcast, I'm assuming, will go up Tuesday morning, uh, but we'll get into it anyway. We're going to have to address the United game, obviously, how it went, what went wrong, things like that. We're going to address very briefly Genk midweek and we're going to talk about the upcoming match with Spurs. Uh, I'm going to have to keep to a little bit of a time limit today but we'll see, you know, we'll see how we go. So I think firstly on United, I think it went certainly how I was expecting. <laughs> I don't know about yourself, I thought it was a horrible match to watch from a Liverpool perspective. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, I thought... I thought it was going to be... A, it, we said, actually, didn't we, that it would be a massive game in Liverpool's kind of season. Um, but I will be honest, I, although we expected it to be tight, I thought this Liverpool side would have enough about them to, to get the win. Yeah. Um, but it had a lot of a lot of February's game in it, didn't it? The, the it did. It did. I, I, I thought that it was going to... I thought that Liverpool's majority will have shown... Mm. In comparison to last year, obviously now European champions now done a title run and, and fell a little bit short. But I thought that the whole nature of Liverpool going on to one one more step will have shown. And I thought Solskjaer would be a downgrade on Mourinho's tactical plan that he imposed mm. when we last went to Old Trafford. Oh no, that was uh, Solskjaer last time, wasn't it? Was, it? But yeah, th- yeah. That game was crazy anyway. It got mixed up by all kinds of injuries and things. And I just thought this this time would be slightly different in terms of us managing to find a way through and get a result. But just on you know, on, on the gen- general formations, general team selections, obviously David Hayer played, yeah. which was a bit of a surprise. I think that would give United a massive boost. And they probably knew behind the scenes, didn't he? But I think that would give them a boost before before the game. Yeah. Fergie tactics. Just, yeah. Just you know what? The more I think about it, I think Solskjaer has deployed a little bit of that. I think he knew he was going to play a few days ago. Yeah. And uh, an even bigger boost... Probably seeing Salah mm. not even in the squad, yeah. which again was quite surprising from my perspective. Yeah, um, Origi came in for him, and beyond that, it was very much the Liverpool team that you come to expect. But as a result of that, I think United were able to tailor a game plan specifically to the Liverpool that they knew they were going to face. Yeah, uh, the four-two-three-one that we said they've used in every match went completely out the window. Yeah, and this was literally a tailored plan specifically for Liverpool that we probably won't see again no, the rest yeah. of the season, which is annoying. Uh, but I thought, from my perspective, they got a spot on. Yeah, they did. I um, I wrote a piece for the Manchester Evening News about a week ago where I was talking about how I Solskjaer basically settled on a two-up-top formation last season and it seems to be his preferred, but he hasn't been able to do it this season because of, well, injuries and losing key personnel like Lukaku and Sanchez who may have been out of form but he was still forward with players he hasn't been able to play it he found a way to do it with James which I don't think he could do consistently but you can understand why you know Martial's pacey good dribbler 
James is also PC good dribbler. Um and it just it just worked for them, didn't it? I think it was it was almost a a better version of what Arsenal used at Anfield mm. in terms of deploying two mobile fast strikers yeah. who are gonna attack the channels uh, and setting up with a back three. Uh United was very much a back three compared to Arsenal's who, you know, Emery Sarr were much more inclined to to just be seated into a full back five, I think. Mm. But you know, United uh three five one two, I think it was for the most part. Yeah. With Pereira just behind Rashford and, and James. Um and Wan Basaka who who again, you know, managed to play, managed to start, and Ash Young on the left. Both took up really high positions. Yeah. So that they could close down the likes of Trent and Robertson, who are Liverpool's main ball progressors. Mm. And with this is an important point to make because yeah. we're going, I think we're going to spend a fair amount now just addressing. It is a problem what Liverpool are suffering from at the minute. Every well, at the minute, every now, every now and then, it is really. I've spoke about it last season. I wrote about it. I got asked to write by the Echo. Uh, what the next stage of Liverpool's tactical development may mm. be, and I wrote about. There will be certain matches whereby Trent and Robertson are nullified yeah. and they're not able to influence the game as much in the final third, whether that be due to tactics, whether that be due to they're up against the top opponents. And Liverpool need a way of getting around that. And I think we suffered from it again. Yeah. Because we played, you know, Wijnaldum, Henderson, Fabinho in midfield. He's just not, you're not going to get that midfield penetration there. Salah was obviously out. So we were heavily reliant on Trent and Robertson to um, to deliver, supply the legs of Mane and Firmino, get us into the final third, mm. put us up the field, and it just it well, just didn't work. I, I, I warned, didn't I, on the last show, Liverpool cannot get sucked into doing the crosses from them two into the box because it just will not work. You know, Maguire is one of the best headers in the, in the Premier League, and there was just... Too many times where they were relying on that tactic and it was easily defended against. But just going back to the point which you're probably progressing on to, and, and I actually wrote something last week for Liverpool.com, very similar, saying how Liverpool's next stage, and certainly in midfield, will be looking for that progressive ball, um, ball drive in midfield, shall we say. Um, because they just, just haven't got it. And I think Naby's obviously going to be that person, isn't he? But just with this kind of stop-start career so far, mainly due to injury, we, they haven't quite benefited from it yet. Um, and obviously he comes in second half and you see the difference. But yeah, Liverpool are losing too much of a game, relying on the full-backs when on that particular day it's not going to work or the opposition have got a good tactic to, to nullify it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll touch on Naby's contribution in a sec, but... I do think that like Liverpool are understandably heavily reliant on their full-backs to, to go forward. I think Klopp has looked at his midfield profiles, looked at his full-back profiles and you know, identified his midfielders as almost defensive phase players, mm. really. Whereas the full-backs are offensive phase players almost. Yeah. And people, that, people, I think, struggle to come to terms with that just because of the age-old perception on the game is 
a fullback to defender yeah. and a midfielder is well a bit of both, but you know supposed to offer more going forward than a fullback is. Yeah, I think um, go on. a massive issue is you know it doesn't really it doesn't matter how how good or how proficient you are in one in one area. So let's say Liverpool are arguably the best in in Europe in terms of their fullback positions, but if you start becoming too reliant on one form of attack, then the opposition know what they have to nullify when they when they come up against you. And we we often kind of applaud Klopp because of the unpredictability Liverpool sometimes have. They can they can hit you in so many different ways, can't they? They can if you if you stop them one way they can they can create another. But if you lose that unpredictability then you do become a little bit one dimensional and then a lot easier to, to defend against and at times it felt like that's what we were seeing at Old Trafford on, on Sunday. Yeah, it's just like, you know, it, it, in tactics in general, you, you will always eventually, if you if you stick with the same kind of plan, you will you will always eventually have those tactics found out. Now, I'm not saying Liverpool have been found out by any means, and I'm not saying that Liverpool needs to restart or start from scratch or, or whatever, but there will be certain matches where we need an alternative means of attacking than Trent and Robertson. Um, and I think United now, particularly at Old Trafford, there's, there's no way Klopp should go to Old Trafford again with a midfield as as sideways as that. He, the next time, he should learn from this, the next time he goes to Old Trafford, we need to have a, an attacking midfield, if you like, mm. a, a midfield with a, a Naby Keiter in it, an Oxlade-Chamberlain in it maybe, Um you know, possibly even a four-two-three-one, but with, with a Shakiri. I was just about to say, do you like think that. a four-two-three-one would could could be the answer? Well, last season we, we we were going through that that period where we we hadn't beat United for a while, despite being the better team. Mm. Mourinho came to Anfield, and Mourinho's obviously the master of nullifying your strengths and, mm. and coming up with a game for a one-off a one-off fixture. And I think Klopp was aware of that, and Klopp almost. Um, Planned ahead for Mourinho's game. Started surprisingly with a four-two-three-one. Shakiri played, I think. I think Keita played on the left, and I think it just caught United by surprise, mm. and they just couldn't handle us for the first half an hour in particular. We obviously scored. We obviously won the game three-one, and I think that's something that Klopp's going to have to consider now for for the next Old Trafford trip because what whatever it may be, whether it's the size of the pitch, how. That you know the drive United players have maybe got to actually get one over on Liverpool, yeah. but for whatever reason, Trent and Robertson just aren't able to have as big of an influence on Liverpool's offensive game, Liverpool's ball progression, Liverpool's chance creation. All that just doesn't seem to be as there when we go to Old Trafford. So mm. I just think we need an alternative means of um, you know, when when the emphasis is placed on the centre midfield. Okay, we we can't create. We're gonna. We need you to start doing something. Yeah, they just they're not them. They're not that type of player. No, they lack they lack that explosion. I suppose I would say. So if they receive the ball, the defending side know that they're looking for the next. Even if it's a progressive pass, they're looking for the next pass, aren't they? Where there's you know the likes of Keita and Oxley Chamberlain, they'll pick the ball up and. They've got that unpredictability in the sense that they could dribble at you or, or drive or uh, progress the ball by different means. And yeah, that that 
that midfield that started yesterday just doesn't have that in the locker and the opposition though they don't have that as well. It just it makes it so much easier to defend against. Yeah, I mean I I, I spoke with Chris before and I think this is an important point worth making. It, we only ever talk about the midfield when the fullbacks are nullified. Um the midfield is generally fine because the system works. It's a functional system. There's balance there, everything works in harmony and that and that sort of thing. It's when the fullbacks are nullified, that's when the midfield becomes the talk. That's when the midfielders becomes the chat. Mm. I don't think Liverpool are in a position whereby they need to start playing David Silver's in central midfield mm. every single week. It's it's not that big of an issue. It's just in certain games like this. We just need that player. Um, the player who's going to be a bit more composed in tight spaces. The player who's going to look forward rather than looking sideways. Mm. The player who's going to be a bit more unpredictable on the ball rather than the predictable passes that maybe Jordan Henderson makes mm. and, and, you know, it's probably Gini Wijnaldum f- makes. It's, it's probably fair to sum it up. They just need the plan B, I suppose, isn't it? Because the plan A is successful and will be successful for... 85% of them fixtures they play. Yeah, this but yeah, this that's a that's a necessary point to make. Liverpool yeah. this isn't Liverpool needing a totally new plan. Yeah. It's just a a bit of a plan B whereby, you know, the fullbacks aren't having as much of an influence. Where else can we get this this ball progression from? Mm, definitely. Uh, and just to capture that, you know, the, obviously I'm gonna this is a mad mad stab that as this came from Chris before. And I've I've looked further into it to get a bit of bit, to get a bit more on it, but um, Naby Keita played fifteen minutes. Jordan Henderson played, I'm gonna say seventy five or something mm. like that. Uh, in that fifteen minute period, Naby Keita completed twenty three passes. Henderson completed twenty six. So three more passes completed for Henderson. Despite playing considerably about an hour more, yeah, three to four times as much to, uh, as long. Now ago. I I like Henderson. I think Henderson's generally very useful. This isn't a means of slating him. Nothing like that. This is just in certain match scenarios, you need a different type of play. You need mm. something different. Naby offered that, um, and you know I looked at forward passes as well. Henderson. The whole match, three forward passes. Why Wijnaldum, the whole match, three forward passes. Naby Keita, 15 minutes, three forward passes. Mm-hmm. Um, passes to the final third. Naby completed five. Genie completed four. Henderson completed one. It's just not great. No, no. <laughs> the numbers that, obviously, you know, numbers can be used a bit. Well, yeah, especially game situations numbers. and stuff, suppose they, want, they were on the offensive, but I think... When it's so it's so lopsided like that, it's pretty pretty telling, isn't it? Yeah, especially passing numbers as well. Passing numbers can usually be a bit weird and that can't be. But I just think, I think it, it's something that Klopp has to consider now. It's in bigger matches, maybe when there's, maybe when the fullbacks are going to struggle to influence the play as much. I'll ask you a question. I think we can both agree that the substitutions were good moves, weren't they? Yeah. Did they come too late? Cases came too late. Yeah, but I think that I mean that takes us on to the next point. I think uh, Klopp, I think Klopp's Klopp's moves from the sideline were generally good. 
Mm. Um, I think he he generally had a had a positive impact on the game. For example, at half time we switched from four three three to four two three one, and that did that did two things for me really. The, the main thing it did was rather than Ashley Young being able to close down Trent every time, and rather than Wamba Saka having to close down um, Robertson every time, they were instead occupied then by a wide player. Yeah. In Henderson, who was playing right flank, which is not ideal. No. Um, so it, it gives Trent a bit of space and occupied o- occupied the wing wing backs. Um, so that was that was a bit of a positive move. And in addition, it obviously gave Fabinho a partner in the centre of the park. If you're in a double pivot, you know your your general movements are more side to side rather than forwards and backwards yeah. kind of thing. So if you've got Rashford and Daniel James attacking the channels. It just offered a, a bit more comfort, I thought, mm. um, and I think I think the moves we made to bring on players like Kate, Lana, Oxley, Chamberlain, they're just generally technically better players. You know, with the ball at the feet, better yeah. control, better first touch, and I think that was one thing Liverpool really lacked throughout the course of the match: the the first touch of every player, the control. Mm. God, it was, it, I don't know if it was the the stage of the match. I don't know if it was it was definitely influenced by United's game, don't get me yeah. wrong. I think it was just the occasion. I still I still maintain that was gonna be the one of the bigger games of the season. And okay, Liverpool avoided defeat, but if you would have won if Liverpool would have won that yesterday, eight points clear after going to Old Trafford, I think they, they probably would have known they were they were I would, I, it's it's too fair to say they were there, but but they were certainly on the right path. And although they still are six points clear, let's be honest, uh, in, at the end of October was fantastic. But it just felt like a massive fixture in the season. Yeah, it did, it did. And you know, it, it, even that tactical change that freed up a bit of space for the likes of Trent, his his answer to to being given that space was then to start putting crosses in. Mm. Those crosses are usually really really dangerous, but. Again, you've got Harry Maguire in the, in yeah, the penalty it's, box. It's the wrong decision. He's arguably the best player in the air in the league yeah. alongside Van Dijk for me. It's just, it was very easy to defend against for a lot of it, I thought. Some yeah. of the areas he crossed from as well. They were okay, but they were just just a, maybe five yards off that real, you know, inside right dangerous whipping position. Yeah. That, whereby you, it's impossible to defend against. They, they didn't, they felt less... Um purposeful and more not hit and hopes uh, but yeah, you no, know what I'm trying to that say that comes to mind for me yeah, yeah like they were just they were more get them in and see what happens as opposed to having targets uh, yeah definitely yeah so yeah it was it wasn't great really yeah I mean I think the likes of Lalane and players like that give us a bit more of a foothold <coughs> on the game United I think around the hour mark if you look at the, the PB, PPDA around the hour mark it just takes a massive hit yeah. and he just Literally at that point, he seemed to just accept that. Okay, we're going to sit on the lead for half an hour, mm. which wasn't a great idea. No, because um, you were causing. I also problems. thought Solskjaer was very slow to change it as well. I think they need, desperately need some fresh legs in there, but um, he didn't. Yeah. yeah, I think the general plan Solskjaer came up with before the match was obviously really, very good at stopping us and causing us mm. problems. Klopp seemed to to respond to that. He brought on technical players because. We couldn't get our foot on the ball. He switched to four two three one to give our our main creators mm. fullbacks a bit more space. But you know, 
just again that that midfielder we needed. Yeah. That, that, well, not even the midfielder, just an alternative midfield dynamic whereby the fullbacks can accept we'll stay back, and some midfielders can take a few more risks and, and things like that. I think that is destined to be Naby. It's just it's he's got a yeah. He's got a. He just needs to kind of get up to speed with the side now and become a regular. You know, he desperately doesn't need any more setbacks. And I think if he can get a run on the side now, he can be that person. Yeah. I mean, as bad as Liverpool's performance was, we still managed to 1-1. Mm. We still didn't actually lose. And if you look at the chances, we conceded. If we'd have won, it would have been along the lines of the ugly win thing. Yeah. Because he didn't really create much at all, United. No. The chance that he did create and he scored from, I think, amassed about. I think it was about eighty percent of their xG. Along that was, yeah. was 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 this one chance, yeah. and it obviously derived. With this isn't the podcast for this. Yeah. We're not going to go on about this for very long at all. <laughs> but it did derive from an instant, an incident. I think it's safe to say. Mm. Um. What are your thoughts? I know what your thoughts are, actually, because I've seen it on Twitter. Yeah, you know what, actually? Uh, You're going to upset they've, a few of you. No, they've, <laughs> they've, they've adapted slightly. So, hear me out. Who? Oh, your no, thoughts? No, my opinion, oh, yeah. yeah. okay. So, initially I thought, no, it's not a foul, um, and it shouldn't be overturned by VAR. But I, I, I full-time, I honestly thought Atkinson had a woeful game, and he was oh, very lopsided for, for United. And he actually set a tone for the fouls he was given for United to basically mean that that Arigi one should have been a foul. Yeah. In in a different game, I think you could argue that's not a foul, but he was giving them to United all day. So yeah, on that was, basis, that's a great point. Yeah, he was. It should be a foul. That being said, I don't think it was clear and obvious enough in 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 terms of the rule book for VAR to over, overturn it. Just my opinion, don't uh, please don't fall <laughs> out with me. <laughs> no, I think I didn't expect VAR to overturn it, so I've got yeah. no faith in, 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 in that sort of thing. I think it's flawed at the minute the way the way decisions are made. Mm. But you know, we'll leave that for another podcast. For me, I think it was a foul. I thought that at the time. And that's just based on you know, I, I watch a lot of football and I they are given. They get given those mm. fouls. I think regardless of whether Lindelof fouls him or not, McTominay wins the ball because his first touch is off, Rigi's first touch is off regardless of the contact. I think he goes down as a means of getting himself out of that, mm. the, fact, the fact that he'd been dispossessed by McTominay. But Lindelof goes for the ball, he's you know up his backside, kicks the player, doesn't kick the ball. Mm. It is a foul. Okay. Um I don't know the referee's vision at the time. I don't know if he was um, if it was interrupted or what. But it's just the type of foul that every week is given, and I think you know maybe maybe eight out of ten of those get given. So for it to not be given and us to concede from it is hard to take, mm. especially considering we go up to the end a couple of minutes later and score, and it's ruled out rightfully, but. The technology is being rightly applied regarding handballs and then for certain situations that are, I suppose, deemed as, you know, subjective. Yeah. They're just opting not to use it at all, not even to ask the question or send the referee over to the monitor or, or yeah. whatever. I suppose in that situation, even though it's not, um, 
clear and obvious in their eyes, right? Do, should it be impacted really if it then leads to a, a game deciding goal? Like that should really increase the severity of the of the situation. Really, yeah, exactly. And the decision. It, it, it was a massive goal, and you know it weren't great from Liverpool's perspective to, to concede that. As I said, even if Larigi isn't fouled, McTominay still gets that ball. Mm. We still concede that yeah. counter. Uh, so we were wide open anyway. Um, was the was there any faults uh, in your eyes, Matip, or just yeah. great striker work? It was good striker work, don't get me wrong, but we do usually deal with them. We don't mm. usually concede goals like that. Uh, yeah. I thought Massive could have been a bit more on his toes, to be honest, yeah. Uh, not a great goal to concede at all. Yeah, just on that, by the way, please no one be giving me any stick about that. <laughs> As I said, I think if the foul was given, it was more than fair. It was my initial thought that it wasn't. Uh, it really did feel as though he was a, well, yeah. a bit of bias, you know. No, I honestly thought he had a really bad he game. He was really one-sided, yeah. and I think for sure... As I said, he was given them to United, which makes me believe he should have given it to Liverpool on that basis. Yeah, for Solskjaer, after the game, to say the referee was man of the match, that's just like yeah, that's secret it. talk for saying the referee, give us a hand there. Because, yeah. you know, that's just not a common statement to make. No. There's no way any any it's boss would make that statement. statement to make very brazen, that. There's no way any boss would make that statement mm. if the referee was completely fair during, throughout, because he wouldn't have, he wouldn't feel a need. So he, he's made that statement because he's he, he's aware really that the referees allowed his his game to be employed a little bit, yeah. a little bit unfairly in certain moments. I agree. Um, but anyway, I think generally the the draw was fair for me. I think if you look at the XG, I think it's. It's it's quite level. I'll get that up. I'll get that up now. But I just don't think either side did enough to win. I don't think either side particularly created, and that was that was clear cut apart no. from the Rashford goal. Mm. Um, so yeah, I was. Don't think either team can really have many complaints over the uh, the end result. No, I don't. I don't think. I, well, I think it says it all. United. Out conceded the goal late on and didn't seem deflated at all, did they? Really, they were still pretty content with the results. And yeah, as I said, it, it, it for me it all just boils down to a little bit of disappointment from a Liverpool perspective. You know, I think had they been on the game there, and okay, as we've just touched on for a good 15 20 minutes, Solskjaer did deploy some really good tactics in nullifying Liverpool. But had Liverpool been at the best, I think they could have they could have quite easily took all three points there. Um, but it, it was important to avoid defeat as well. I think it's a point, important to point that out. So, yeah, move on. Still six points clear. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it stays that way. Just a, a few more numbers there. Liverpool took ten shots. Uh, United seven. Um, and the XG finished at United zero point seven nine. Liverpool one point zero three. But if you look at the shot maps, zero point five seven of United's is the Rashford goal and 0.6 of Liverpool's is the Lallana goal. So mm. it's all it, it, it's it, accumulation of low quality chances really. Yeah, it? it was just a terrible game. Um two sides that we did say in the preview can defend. We said United can defend. They showed that Liverpool are obviously good defensively. So it was just a a pinball match in the middle of the park <laughs> for large periods, I think. Mm. Uh, we'll move on. Get away from that one. I think, I think ho- hopefully next time. I think it'll be a bit of a different story at Anfield, but I just think next time we go to Old Trafford, I think Klopp's got to accept that a different approach is needed in yeah. terms of 
just an alternative attacking dynamic. Something from the midfield, more offensive players in the midfield that are inclined to take more risks and put less of the burden on the fullbacks because it's it's just tricky to have an offensive influence from a deeper position at a place such as Old Trafford when you're up against the likes of Marcus Rashford, you know, he's yeah. quick and threatening. It's just tricky. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. Uh, so we'll move on and we'll, we'll briefly touch on on Genk, who we're going to face this week. Um, quite unknown, I think, it's safe to say. Yeah. Uh, Funny enough, I did do a little bit of research on them, but um, yeah. I, I think it's going to be a comfortable one, isn't it? Yeah. It's, there's not going to be a great deal to, to be fearful of here. I noticed they, they won't beat in six Champions League home matches, including qualifiers, that is, which I thought was quite interesting. Um Obviously, Napoli went there and drew nil nil. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's quite surprising actually, because uh, Red Bull obviously beat them six two. Yeah, away. battered them. Yeah, yeah. But I also noticed that they've played fourteen matches in the Champions League group stage and haven't won any. So, yeah. Well, I I had a look at them myself from from my perspective this season. They looked to have regressed compared to last mm. year. That's just complete. That's without watching a match from start to finish. Just with, numbers. With them. Yeah, just numbers. They look as though at the minute. They're about the fourth or fifth best in Belgium, which what? is not great. <laughs> How do you think that's comparable to the Premier League? Right, exactly, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't think it is. I think it's no. probably a division below. Yeah, championship. Uh, but, you know, the, the, their preferred formation seems to be 4-2-3-1. Uh, after 11 league matches over in Belgium, they're currently sixth. Um, won five, lost four. Um, they don't seem to really have, you know, strict... Uh, performance in the cases really yeah. in terms of like they don't really dominate possession they don't think the high presses either they haven't really got major counter attack and threats I don't think they're just a kind of a, a bit of a beige team mm. I think uh, the one thing I did notice and it's I'm similar to you uh, you know you, you read a few things and you, but really you're just looking at the numbers here we have no idea but apparently they've scored at least one goal in 30 of the last 32 European matches which makes you think they might, yeah. they might find a way through. But the chances are, if we're going off that Salzburg result, that they'll probably let four or five in at the other end. Yeah. Um, well, one thing you'd have to look after that is who they've faced. Because mm. if last season, for example, they were in the Europa League, which were, I'm assuming yeah. they were, yeah. um, I doubt they got out the group. So yeah, they will have faced point. generally. You know what I mean? So you'd have to look into that one, I suppose. But I think the big loss suffered against Salzburg is quite ominous for them. Because well, if you we'll, wanted the performance in the case, I guess that might be one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, be, well, one of the reasons I mentioned this though is because I, I've said before, I think we we are a similar version, a more a evolved similar, version, yeah, a more evolved version of Salzburg, similar types of game, very vertical, um, counter attacking football, mm. counter pressing, um, so that doesn't bode particularly well for for for, uh, for Genk. Um, in terms of danger, men, there is one player I think that. A few people will be aware of, and another that I've wrote about myself. But I think the main players, Sanderberg. I think mm. we've mentioned him briefly before. Yeah, he's probably going to get a bigger move at sometime soon. But yeah, probably. And he's been linked. He's been linked with, with Everton at times as well, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Yeah, um, don't think that won't happen now. But yeah, he's deep line midfielder, strong, good passer, isn't he? Um, yeah, I mean, all round good player. Yeah, a little bit of an all rounder. Yeah, but he's he's 
really physically built. You, you know, you, you standing out in the midfield. Mm. Uh, and the other lad that, that stood out to me a bit more is is a lad called Samata. Uh, he was linked to Cardiff about a year ago. Mm. I was right about him at the time. He had a decent goal record, uh, quite quick. Uh, Liverpool played played Porto last year. And Porto, I've got a lad up front called Marega, I think it is. I'll Marega. take your way for that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he's nowhere near as good as Marega, but yeah. he's he's got that about him in terms of a little bit of an all-rounder, quite quick, mm. quite physical, knows where the net is, um, can lead the line on his own. But, you know, having said that, against the Liverpool standard defence, it's, he might. I don't think he'll stand out as much as Marega did. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't think there's much of a need to, to to elaborate much more on that because I do think it'll be the equivalent of facing maybe a top end championship team or something like that. Maybe. Mm. I wonder what what Klopp will do with his side for that game. I think we'll. I think we'll rotate, but at the same time, we we did lose to Napoli, so we we do have to win. Yeah. Um, and it is away from home, as you said. But I do think we'll we'll see a few new faces. Surely, I think I think, I think it might reward Sailor Lana, for example. Yeah, well, I was just thinking then. Naby and Ox up, mm. up both played played very well. Um, I think Joe Gomez is still lingering about for the start, and yeah. you know you, you don't know maybe maybe even Asian. You don't even know. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. He's, Reward him because obviously he must be a bit gutted, even though he sh- he should not should have known it was coming to be. Yeah, I must say though, I highly doubt he's going to start. Actually, I'm doubting myself immediately now. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, you actually needs to get fit, doesn't he, Alison? Really? Yeah. And I don't mean he's a goalkeeper. I'm not talking physically, but just get that match sharpness again as a you know at elite level. Um, yeah, and Klopp said that Salah is a maybe, but I'd be surprised if he throws Salah in, considering what we may be fighting for. In a couple of months' time, mm, yeah, it's just not worth risking salad in a match like this. Can I just say, by the way, I am um, just on talking rotation. I won't keep it because we have to move on. But I watched um, Sepp Van der Berg. Um, oh yeah, for the first time in, in the flesh, anyway, on Sunday, and uh, I think he's going to be a phenomenal player. You know, did he look good? Yeah, yeah. So he he made two mistakes, right? One that led to a goal, which sounds bad, but he's still just seventeen, isn't he? So that stuff happens at that age, but. He he just looks effortless on the pitch. It's it's it, it looks so easy for him. Like he never, he, he doesn't even have a red face. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he's been running around. Doesn't seem to be breaking a sweat. He's yeah. uh, composed on the ball when he needs to take a touch to drive out. He does great in duels. I well, hope he gets a little run out this season. Yeah, well, we met didn't we recently with the uh, Analytics FC? Yeah, and they they did put in a brief little note about mm. Sepp Vandenberg that they were kind of aware of him before he got a big move just that he showed up really well yeah. in terms of numbers and things like that so mm. uh, yeah Same. that's it, he's certainly a player to look on yeah. just in an ideal world Liverpool managed to get it all boxed off with a game to go it'd be great to just see him get a little uh, test yeah yeah so uh, we'll move on to Spurs anyway because this could be this could be ending really yeah. at the minute the way Spurs are going some of Spurs' numbers is crazy yeah, obviously we're going to delve into now, but you would be surprised considering this is this is the team that was in the Champions League final last year. They haven't really sold anyone of note. No, brought in made a f- good recruitments. Yeah, they brought in a few players, albeit not at ideal times. Yeah, still got the manager. Uh, but defensively, you know, we'll start currently third bottom for shots faced, which is 
an ominous sign as it is. Then if you look at the XG, expected goals against, fourth bottom for that. Um, you just, just seem to be a defensive shambles at the minute. Yeah, just on that though, because I had to... I was working on like a, a Spurs Evolution piece under Pochettino recently, as you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I did notice that last season he conceded 39 league goals, which was the highest since Pochettino's first season. But the expected goals against was 51.64. Yeah. Which is kind of alarm bell straight away, really. I, yeah, I think Lelise actually had a good season yeah. in terms of numbers. I think he overperformed Lelise. Which, yeah, obviously you normally see top teams overperform, but that didn't feel like a Liverpool or City. It felt like alarm bells. Yeah, yeah. And then if you look at the defence, really, a lot of them were expected to move in the summer. You know, yeah. Rose stayed behind together. Move didn't happen, and now he's reliant on that same age in defence. Yeah, well, you know, being being third bottom for shots faced, being fourth bottom for next year against, that is relegation team mm. numbers. They're, that, they're in relegation zones there. They're, you know in and around the bottom sides in the league, really. And I think a lot of it stems from their pressing game has just diminished gradually. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's to do with a lack of um, incest mentally. Obviously, players like Eriksen maybe thinking about moves and Danny Rose being aware that he's not really wanted and you know players like that. I think that has coincided with a group that's aged a little bit. Mm. Obviously, La Celso's come in, but he's injured. Yeah, Sessegnon's come in, but he's injured. Mm. And Don Blade's come in, but he's been a bit in and out up to now. So I just think I think they're having real problems at the minute for for PPDA. They are twelfth. I must say, obviously, you you sent over that agenda, <laughs> re- re- revealing what goes on behind the scenes here. But I uh, <laughs> I didn't realize they dropped so so low because they've really been there or thereabouts for the last few years on the Pochettino. It was a real press inside, you know. But everything about them, like you know, the fluid in attack, aren't they? The versatile, you know, they just they just don't see, seem the the same side. At the no, moment. but I think that the pressing's a real worry there. If you're if you're twelfth in the league for, yeah. for for pressing frequency high up the field as a top then, side, then you're just a beige a beige pressing team. Yeah. There's no high pressing. There's no real dropping off either. It's just kind of a middle of the road approach, which isn't. It's just not what you'd associate with with Spurs or Pochettino. No, um, so for them especially as a you know a top side, it should be dominating really, and that's always been their kind of ethos of pressing for it to be that low. It, it, it's a shock, and they've played a real mixed bag of opponents as well. It's not like they've played Liverpool yeah. and City and you know real top sides. They haven't. Yeah, and I, you know I think Liverpool as well. Liverpool's pressing's gradually very slightly decreased year on year under Klopp, mm. but I think that's been intentional. That's yeah, been that's been a means of controlling the game state at the mm. time we've obviously been leading a lot more frequently as we've developed yeah whereas Spurs I don't think it's intentional I don't think this should be something that they'll particularly want um, and I think it's resulted in basically a, la- a lack of control I think I, I think a lot of what Pochettino's done at Spurs a lot of what Spurs' game's been about is they've, they've been they've had a real elements of control over matches the aggressive game that they've got how complete their centre backs have been. I think it's provided a platform for the likes of Ericsson and, you know, I'm not sure Kane, Deli Ali to just take risks on the ball. Mm. Just constantly take risks. And if, if those risks don't come off, we'll be fine. We'll yeah. regain the ball and then do it again. But I think with that defensive game diminishing a bit, they're still taking some of those risks. 
but they're not as safe after after they are taken, and then they're just they get to being opened up. Um, they're conceding first a lot of the time lately as well, mm. so they're having to chase games. They're and also surrendering in leads as well. They've took something like yeah, I think it's f- they took leave four of the last six games and conceded again by half time. But I think you know taking these risks when you're not in a position to, and you haven't got a pressing game, you haven't really got a controlling game about you. A team that you don't want to face is Liverpool, <laughs> yeah. and a team that comes to mind who'd have faced recently is Bayern Munich. Mm. Obviously, what was you know what was the score of that seven two was he? Yeah, I've like enough fingers to count. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Bayern obviously they didn't create a massive massive xG, but they were given constant transition moments. Yeah, whereby the chance was there if you wanted if you was good enough to convert. Mm. And I think Liverpool have got attackers like that. Obviously, Gnabry was was on on his game on the day, but he's in the mould of Sadio Mane. Um, Lewandowski was on his game. You know, maybe Firmino was going to have a, a day like that. If Salah plays, Salah's obviously a very, very hungry on, on the attacking side of the game. Obviously, he wants to be very involved. So uh, I don't think it bodes well for him at all. I think this 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 could be quite bad if it. If it goes the way the numbers are suggesting, at least, and, and the way the season's gone, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I can't really add much more to that. I do I think that it's gonna? If they could manage to get to get results, it'd be interesting to see if they could um, kickstart the campaign. And I, I think this would say a lot for them in terms of overcoming adversity. But I just can't see. It. I think Liverpool are the worst possible opponents. I don't actually think they like playing Liverpool anyway. But I don't know what the recent record like, but I, from what I can gather, or from what I can remember, it's, it's, not, yeah, it's, it's not, not great, is it? I don't think not. Um, thought they'd, they'd give a good account of themselves in the second half last season. And Anfield, and, you know, that was mainly down to Pochettino, Pochettino and his his ability to adapt in game. Um, so, oh, yeah. I mean, I've just, I've just <laughs> got up, I've just, I've just got wow. up the City game when Spurs played City at the Etihad. City posted an XG of 3.2. And if you look at the shot map, how many is that inside the box? That's a lot. Yeah, it's all. I've got enough time to count. Mm. And Spurs on the attacking side going forward posted an XG of 0.07, which is the equivalent of about one free kick, really, from about 25 yards, yeah. maybe, something like that. Uh, and I think, you know, Spurs on the attacking side of the game, let's have a look at them now. On the attacking side of the game, Spurs are currently ninth for shots taken in the league, eighth for XG, um, and the, the, the on the whole they're being outshot at the minute. Uh, the, facing about fifteen per match, and they're shooting about twelve times themselves. That's in the Premier League and the Champions League. So they are really if if you didn't know Spurs. If you were looking at that as a profile of a side, you wouldn't. Yeah, if you were looking at that as like a data analyst mm. without any football knowledge at all, you would think that was a a fifteenth, a tenth to fifteenth placed team in mm. the division, maybe something like that, if not worse. Mm. Uh, it's just the fact that obviously it's Tottenham, it's Pochettino, it's the likes of Harry Kane that we consider this to be a threat. But based on the numbers, this this could be quite a quite a beating. Um, and another thing as well, I don't think Pochettino is as inclined as Solskjaer was to 
to do what Solskjaer did recently. Yeah, yeah. This, this prior to unsiding and adapt his, his side tactics. Just, just yeah, the, and I don't think he's got the backing of his players as much no, as No, I was Solskjaer just about to minute. say earlier before we were, were laughing at that XG map um, <laughs> from the City game, you know, they, they gave a good account of themselves at the game in Anfield. I think we can disregard the Champions League final. It was a bit of a mess in terms of a game, wasn't it? But... At Anfield, I thought second half he adapted it really well. You know, pushing Rose into midfield, and it it's, it did catch Liverpool off guard, stifle them, and they they were good. But as you were just touching on there, and I, I don't think he he could he could just adapt and overcome Liverpool midway through a game this time round. I don't think the players are totally on board with him, and that was that's one of his strongest um, assets, really, isn't it? His tactical nose. Yeah, no, I think I think Pochettino was generally really, really good tactically. I think his approach in the Champions League final seemed to be centred on, uh, you know, playing the ball around until you're in positions whereby you can get like overloads yeah. on on the flanks against the likes of Trent. Um, obviously, double up on them and get crosses into the box and that that sort of thing. I think there's logic there to that, but you know the the formations that Pochettino's used this season use plenty. He's used four two three one. He's used a diamond. He's used four eight three four three, and I think Liverpool's toughest games this season for me, I've been against United and Sheffield United. Both of those used three at the back, mm. five, you know, five at the back systems, whatever you want to call it. I think Pochettino will probably go down that route, three at the back, but I just don't think they'll have the the concentration and the desire of. It's two or the United, you know, mm-hmm. Sheffield and, and Manchester. I don't, I don't, I think both of those really committed to the cause on the mm-hmm. day. And Spurs just don't seem interested lately. Yeah, they don't I seem. Agree. It's like they're waiting for you, something to happen. You like don't it. seem united. You don't seem all in unison. Um, no, I agree. So it it will be interesting to see how it goes. I I I can see, I can see a, a beaten, but we'll we'll come to the verdict. At the end, anyway, which is which is soon, but I just want to briefly mention Harry Kane mm. because you know those that follow analytics, I think, have picked up on. Although not many seem to be saying it, but they've picked up on Harry Kane. Harry Kane seems to have really declined mm. in, in in the. Well, you know, you know what's happening though, don't you? He's right now. So obviously, we know a little bit more than the people who listen to this show. Look, look into it in a bit more detail. But you look at Harry Kane now; he's got. F- 13 goals in 14 appearances for club and country. So on paper, you think yeah. it's, it's Kane, as he always has been. But obviously, six of them have been padded out with penalties, mm. which is really important to note. Um, I must say as well, I think considering his role, obviously he's a striker, top end of the field, mm. he will have naturally suffered from his team. Yeah. So if Spurs have gradually fair, yeah. regressed, I think it's quite natural for Kane to also do so. Mm, no fair, yeah. If you were to put Salah... In, I'm not sure if, if he was to put Salah in in Rashford's place at the minute, I think Salah would naturally post pretty bad numbers in that yeah, United no, team. Yeah, it's important caveats, and that actually, yeah, give him, uh, give him some credit. But I think Kane's peak was uh, not last season, season before. I think he was posting about. He got to a point where he was posting up five point three shots a match, which is Ludicrous, which is a yeah. uh, Messi, Messi, Ronaldo numbers. Uh, but now he's averaging, I think this season he's averaging in the Premier League about three. Um, either side of three is it's really, really close. But he, he just doesn't seem to be the 
the complete elite elite level striker that he once was, certainly mm. according to the numbers. Um, as I said, it could be, it seems to have coincided with the Spurs' downfall, the gradual decline that Spurs have suffered since, when has it been since, since like maybe Dembele's sale? Yeah, January time, of, they've never, they haven't really replaced that kind of force within midfields. And, and okay, probably when, he was suffering with injuries and stuff, wasn't he? And, and, in, in the back end last season, but he was a big player for Tottenham. Yeah, when I say Dembele's sale, I, I, I mean Dembele's decline really. At the start of that season, he was no longer the, the physical mm. monster that he was. And he was huge for their kind of transitional play, wasn't he? Yeah, that control aspect that I've mm. just mentioned, he yeah. was huge in the, in the centre of the park. Yeah. Um, and I think they've just gradually lost that. They've, they seem to have replaced that with Dembele, but because of just the whole units at the minute a- any player there is going to look a bit uninterested it's, it's or well, flawed yeah. or it's hard to come into that environment I think and when, when it's it is, gone yeah. well and join the new league um, I, I still maintain I said it at the start of the season I've rugged about it since I still maintain that once Spurs gets to the point whereby maybe Ericsson's gone and Dombele's fully in- integrated La Celso's fully integrated Sessegnon is playing consistently at left back mm. I do think they will be a good team again. It yeah. sounds crazy. And I think no, Deli no, Ali as well. Deli Ali's another one that we shouldn't forget. Mm. Um, I just it's think it's always he's been so quiet yeah, yeah. the last twelve months. Yeah, he has. But he's st- I just think once the overhaul that's that's still in progress almost mm. is is kind of finished, I do think we'll see um we'll see them come back to to what what we know. Mm. But it just remains to be seen whether it will get so bad before that. That's some kind of drastic change might have to happen, but you know, I personally wouldn't. No, no, sure. definitely not. I think <laughs> Pochettino is as close as as cl- he's he's not in the same bracket, but he's he's up there for me with um, just below the likes of Klopp and Guardiola. I think he's he's that good of a manager. I really, really do like him. Um, so I understand Spurs in a rut, but they're not going to get relegated, are they? So as you've just said. There is light at the end of the tunnel. There's, there's, there's a change going through. I think they just need to ride it out with him, even if that means having a, a bad season. Yeah. So uh, we will conclude the day. Mm. Um, verdict predictions. What do you think? I'm, I'm not as, uh, as confident as you as a hammering. Um, I don't think I've, I've tipped anything, but Liverpool winning. Um, that's not going to change for this one either. I fancy, I fancy a three-one. I think. Three one, yeah. I think my my confidence just stems from if if you look at Spurs again as from a data analyst perspective, away from mm. the football knowledge, they just look on paper as though they're another Norwich. You know what, you know what I mean? Right, like a, a, a team that will dominate more of the ball than you will, mm. but they won't really penetrate that much with it, and they'll concede loads on the other end. Yeah. Vulnerable to counters, they just seem like a bit of a notch, and I think that's really dangerous against. But, no, I agree, but Liverpool. what I feel like we're seeing now, and you've you've already touched on it with the two Uniteds, we're seeing sides now find an extra ten or fifteen percent every week against Liverpool because it's Liverpool. The you know, but we we didn't see that with City. Surely that would have happened at the Etihad. I don't know, and maybe you know what you could be right and. Whenever we do the uh, the next show, you could be it, it could be a four or five nil, and you'll be sitting there smug, and I'll uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll be the the loser in that situation. But I just I, it wouldn't surprise me if 
don't forget as well, this is the, this is the team that ruins their, their chances of being Champions League winners there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they might just find an extra 10%. So I'm not saying Liverpool won't win. I'm not even saying it won't be a dominant performance. I'm just saying they might keep the scoreline res- respectable. Yeah, maybe so. I just, I just think Liverpool are relentless at home. Mm. You know, at Anfield, considering the mentality that Spurs have got at the minute, really vulnerable on the break, which Liverpool are arguably the best in the world, you know, in transition. Yeah. I just think... Uh, it's, I just think it's looking dangerous for, for Spurs. I think it's um, it's it. We played them a few seasons ago at Wembley, uh, and I think we only ended up winning two one, but we absolutely battered them on the break. Mm. We should have scored at least five on the day, mm. um, but Salamani was just really wasteful, and I can just see it going. I think the XG on that day was like three point five or something like that. To Spurs is like zero point five maybe <laughs> or something. Another city. I can just see it going that way if Spurs aren't at it. Obviously, they're good enough individually and the manager mm. to to keep us out mm. uh, for large periods. But I just think looking at their situation at the minute it looks strange, and looking at their numbers, it's just I, I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna play it relatively safe. Go <laughs> <laughs> on, in, in for the penny, e- in for the pound, mate. Go on. E- even relatively safe, I'm gonna say three nil. Okay, yeah. But even that. I do think it could be mad. I think it could be. Uh, it could not be. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not as confident with this one. It, it, it could be 3 0. It could be another Salzburg game. Yeah. Or it could be a 1 0. Genuinely. It, it, but I, I, I feel do, like you're covering all bases. I am, there. Cover, I am covering all bases. I am covering all bases. <laughs> no, my, 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 most of my confidence lies with Liverpool really, really damaging Spurs on the break. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm going to predict. I'm going to predict a 3 0. Uh, but you know, don't quote me on that one as much as we do, as much as we usually do. I feel like we've had a good run recently with results. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. If, if it's anywhere around Liverpool scoring three, then we've we've done all right again. Yeah, predicting a dominant win anyway. Yeah, predicting a comfortable win. Uh, so we will be back next week, Thursdayish after the Arsenal League Cup tie. Mm. Probably still be joined by yourself, Dave. Enjoy your week off, though. Yeah, thank you, mate. I will. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us today. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Cheers. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.